The Jewish Trauma Network provides education, guidance, and inspiration to individuals and families suffering from trauma to help them create a better life of connection and self-actualization. I'm your host, Dr. Yosef Tropper, and my greatest wish is to bring calmness, hope, and success to your life. All right. Welcome, everybody. I am really excited to have Izzy Kalman with me today. Our title is Preventing the Trauma of Bullying. I'm going to read off um, Izzy's bio, and then we will kick it off. Israel Izzy Kalman, MS, is Director of Bullies to Buddies, a program that combats bullying by teaching people how not to be victims. He has a dubious distinction of being the world's foremost critic of the anti-bullying movement, having correctly predicted almost 25 years ago that it was bound to fail. His work has been featured in the New York Times, Good Morning America, and TEDx. Izzy is a New York State licensed school psychologist and registered psychologist in Israel. You can learn more or contact Izzy at his website, IzzyKalman.com. Welcome, Izzy. Yeah, thank you so much, Yosef. Thank you so much for being here. Obviously, our heart and our mind is in Israel, and I want to just start off just letting you know that we're with you and just checking yeah. in on you to see how you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I have so many people checking in on me. I feel like I have a lot of parents who want to know all the time how I am today. And fortunately, we're fine. We've had, I can't count how many rockets have been shot by Iron Dome right over our heads here because I live in Rishon Lezion, which is a little bit south of Tel Aviv. And I guess the prime target of the Gazans is Tel Aviv. So a lot of things go over our heads and get shot down. and But fortunately, we're okay. Thank, and, thank uh, you so much for being here. Uh, and we uh, my, my pleasure. We're praying for your safety and for a, a, a quick resolution. So let's, speaking of bullying, which is a lot of the psychology of what's going on, let, let's dive into kind of, I, I know that you've dedicated a large part of your career into bullying. Maybe I like to always start off with definitions. Like, can we define what is bullying on a, psychological or even practical level? Like, how do you define it? How do you know when you're seeing it? Uh, I have my own definition, which I believe is the most useful definition. There's a scientific definition that's been going around for a few decades, and it's full of problems. But as far as I'm concerned, bullying is when you're being picked on over and over again by the same people. Okay, that's a very clear definition. In, in your experience, what are the usual dynamics that where bullying manifests? Is it like between siblings? Is it at school? Is it outside of school? Is it cyberbullying? What are, just fill me in. Bullying happens just about in every social environment, and even though we're so concerned about bullying, and schools are the place where the least amount of bullying goes on. It happens more in the workplace. A higher percentage of people at work say they're bullied than in school. And the place that happens the most is right at home. Wow. In, in most families that have two or more children, they're tormenting each other every day, or at least a couple of the kids torment each other, and the parents are going nuts trying to stop them, and nothing is working. So it's much more common at home than in school. You know, when I give presentations to kids in school, I will often ask them at the beginning, Oh, who here gets picked on every day by another kid in school? And some kids will raise their hands. Then I ask them, who here gets picked on every day by a brother or sister at home? Everybody's hand goes up. Interesting. So I guess I always like to know what's the motivation? What creates this dynamic of bullying? Do you have any insight on that? Uh, Absolutely. 
uh, if you react like a victim, you are going to be bullied. Interesting. Everybody folks on bullying is the problem, and we're trying to get rid of bullying. And we've been doing this intensively for 25 years, since the Columbine shooting of 1999, and it's being called an epidemic. Thousands of research studies have been done on bullying and on bullying prevention programs. Why is it getting worse? It's because if you go about trying to get rid of bullying by focusing on bullying and bullies, it's going to become worse. But if, if you know how not to be a victim, then nobody can bully you. And the, the solution is in your hands. The, the popular bullying psychology says that everybody has to protect the victim. The school staff has to protect the victim. Bystanders have to protect the victim. Law enforcement, everybody has to protect the victims. If you're a victim of bullying and the solution is other people, you have no solution. You don't know what to do. And what if there's nobody around who knows how to help you? What are you going to do? And what if people think that you're the bully? It's not always so obvious who the bully is. But if you know how not to be a victim, the problem goes away. It's much simpler. These are all very important points because as parents, if we hear that our child comes home and feels like they're being bullied by, usually it's another student, or sometimes it's even by a teacher, our first gut reaction is, I'm going to call the principal and I'm going to make a statement. They need to protect my child. And right. I think it's human nature to do that. But your point is very poignant. And in my work with kids, I often find that sometimes when kids are being bullied, obviously we need to validate what they're going through. And, and we do need to do some behind the scenes intervention to let the school know and, and do something. But um, a lot of times there's a lot of pushback from parents and kids that say, oh, you're just blaming the victim. So yeah. how do you address that kind of accusation of, oh, you're just blaming the victim that I have victim written on my head. I know Besser van der Kolk in, in, in Body Keeps the Score talks about how a lot of perpetrators of, of theft will say that they saw the person had the word victim written on them. And that's a little bit tough to swallow because I have a right to walk in the street without getting mugged. But there is this yeah. element that like certain people have a predisposition to it. And, and like you said, dealing with it is really going to help them. But I want to know, how do you draw that line of blaming the victim versus empowering the victim? Uh, first of all, I think it helps to make a distinction between crime and bullying. Uh, if you're walking down the street and I think you're an easy mark and I rob you, that is a crime. I have hurt you. It's not. It has nothing to do with how you feel. I am not allowed to steal from you because I. That is causing objective harm to you. I have stolen from you. Well said. I'm not allowed to hit you over the head with a baseball bat. That's. I'm causing you injury is a crime. So for that, people should be informed uh, upon and law enforcement should be involved and the perpetrator should be punished. But most of what we call bullying causes emotional harm. It's insults. The great majority of bullying is insults. And even most physical aggression begins with insults. There's a fundamental difference between being hit with a baseball bat and being insulted. If you hit me with a baseball bat and I get hurt, who hurt me? You. I hurt you because I hit you. Yeah, I'm the perpetrator. You hurt me. If you call me an idiot and I feel hurt, who hurt me? My gut reaction would be you're the one who gave the insult, but I, I hear what you're implying as well. Yeah. It's totally up to me if I get hurt by your insult. I can You can call me an idiot and I can get angry about it. Where I can say, I can't believe how stupid I was. I did the dumbest thing. Uh, I don't have to get upset by it. So insults, most of what's called bullying 
causes what I call subjective harm. It means that if you do the aggression to me and I get hurt, I really hurt myself. You don't deserve to be punished if I hurt myself. Plus, what happens if we treat acts like insults that cause subjective harm as though it's a crime that causes objective harm, what ends up happening is you get more subjective harm and even more objective harm that actually hurts bodies. That sounds Let's, very important. Could you explain that a little? Yes, I will. Let's say you insult me you and I get upset. I felt upset by it. I tell the teacher on you that you bullied me and you get sent to the principal's office. Are you going to admit to the principal that you insulted me? I'll probably deny it. I'll say I didn't say anything. You're just being insensitive. The normal thing for any human being to do when they're accused of wrongdoing is to defend themselves and to blame the person who accused them. Are you going to like me better if I tell the teacher and you get sent to the principal's office? The entire time I'll be in the principal's office, I'll be planning my revenge. So you're going to get back at me. You're going to probably insult me worse, which is more subjective harm. But you might want to beat me up which makes right. it objective harm. You are now hurting my body. So when we take things that you, you treat insults like it's a crime that have to be investigated and punished, everything gets worse. You get more, more hurt feelings and even more hurt bodies. Most of the incidents of bullying that led to serious physical harm usually happened after the school was informed and they get involved trying to find out who the bully is and to punish the bully. But uh, I'm going to do with you a very short exercise that teaches exactly what I'm talking about. It teaches why somebody becomes a victim of bullying, meaning why somebody would get picked on over and over again by the same person, and also how to make it stop. Okay. So, Yosef, I'm going to play a game with you. Yeah. And while I'm playing the game, all I want you to do is to focus on winning the game. We'll analyze it afterwards, so don't analyze. Just try okay. to win the game. Your job in this game, Yosef, is to insult me. My job is to stop you. But don't let me stop you, because if I stop you, I win the game and you lose the game. Yosef, okay. do you prefer to lose or to win when you play a game? I am very competitive. I want to win. Good. I want you to play to win the game. Do not worry about hurting my feelings. It's a game. It's make-believe. I want you to do a good job. Okay. And also, don't work hard. Don't talk without stopping. You'll get worn out. Make it like a conversation. Give me a chance to answer you. Go ahead. It, it's very interesting. What, there are so many things coming up. I have Obviously, this is going to be a recording that people are going to listen to, but I'm, I'm sitting here on Zoom with you, and I'm looking at you, and there's a part of me that like I can't I have to lock the screen out if I'm going to say something nasty about you. It's very it's, it's, okay. Well, you'll see that once you get started, it won't be hard. And <laughs> if you want, you can you can keep it simple. Just say, Izzy, you're an idiot, or Izzy, okay. you're ugly. or Izzy, Izzy you're, you're an idiot, and you're stupid. I'm not idiot. I'm not an idiot. And I'm not stupid. Just look in the mirror. You'll know that you are. I look in the mirror. I look smart. You're not looking hard enough. That obviously proves that you're an idiot. I am not an idiot. Now stop saying that already. Everyone in the entire class knows you're an idiot. That is not true. Everybody who knows me well knows that I'm smart. They pretend that they're nice to you, but behind your back, everybody talks about you. You're a laughing. I don't believe you. You're making this up. It, you can ask anyone individually. They'll tell you. I don't have to ask them. I know they don't call me an idiot. You're the only one who does it to me. Well, I learned it from everybody else, and I learned it from you. you 
I'm not an idiot. How can I teach you that I'm an idiot when I'm smart? Obviously, you're not that smart if you don't know that you're an idiot. Listen, you're the idiot because if you keep this up, you're going to be sorry. Nah, I have nothing to be sorry about. I'm doing you a service by telling you. It's not a service because it's not true. Well, yeah, I think if you would do yourself a favor, you would get some help for your idiocy. I don't need help for my idiocy. You, you need help because you're going to – I know karate. Yeah, everybody knows you're the weakest guy in the whole school. I'm really I scared. I am not weak. You want that going through your face? All right, let's take us outside. I'll be happy to show it, put you in your place, but you're going to regret it. You, I'll put you in your place. Now right, you, apolo you apologize to me. Apologize for what? For stating facts? Listen, stop laughing. You're not going to be smiling much longer. Okay, I give up. <laughs> you, know, so you, you did a super job. I Thank tried you. very hard to get you to stop insulting me. Was I able to stop you? Nothing. It's just like an endless pit of my own stubbornness and stupidity. And when you yell, it just prods me further. And in the game, was it hard to insult me? No, it's very easy. I, I can pick up on all my vulnerabilities and all yours. <laughs> yeah. So if we play this game and you want to win, can I force you to stop insulting me? No. If no you're way. determined to work it. Okay. You're we're just gonna... fueling me more. Okay. You did a super job and we're going to play the game again. Same game. Insult me and don't let me stop you. Okay, Go Izzy, you're, you're an idiot. I happen to think you're smart. I'm just telling you you're an idiot. If you want to think that, you can, but I think you're smart. You get good grades and people love talking to you. You all have always have the right thing to say. Yeah, everyone in the whole school thinks you're an idiot. Uh, that's what you think? Absolutely. I know it. We all talk about you behind your back. Yeah, if people want to talk about me, they can, but I, I happen to think you're smart. Yeah, but nobody really, everybody thinks you're a loser in the class. People can think whatever they want. Yeah, but nobody likes you. That's what you think? I, I know it for a fact. Uh -huh. Think about all the times that people do things. We get together after school and nobody ever wants Izzy to come. Uh -huh. The truth is you're very popular. You're like always in the center of the social circle. Yeah, because I know how to get along with people and you don't. Yeah, but you're smart. But you think I, I don't get along with anybody? I don't think uh, nobody likes you. You're just this weird, quiet kid. That's what you think, that nobody likes me? You're really skinny. You're really tall. <laughs> nobody wants to be... If, if you want to think that nobody likes me, I can't stop you. Yeah, nobody does. I feel bad for you. I, I'm happy. You don't have to feel bad for me. All right. I was just telling you that nobody likes you. You can think that if you want. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good day. Uh, you too. Thank you. Yeah, it was hard. It's hard to fight with you that way. <laughs> I mean, you tried really hard and you went on for a while. But at any point, did you feel that you were winning? No, because I couldn't find an opening and I couldn't get a reaction out of you. Oh, you got a reaction out of me just different from the first time. It was a I different a reaction. But yeah. the, the first time, people can't see it because they're only going to be listening to the video. But you were smiling the whole time the first time, a big smile right. on your face. And I said, you're not going to be smiling much longer. The second time, you weren't smiling. You were felt frustrated. Didn't you feel frustrated the second yeah. time? No, I, I and, felt like I was banging into a brick wall. <clears throat> now, we played the game two times. Which time was more fun for you? The first time was much more fun. Yeah. It was reactivity. Uh, yeah, the, the second time was frustrating. Which one of us looked like the bigger fool the first time? You looked like a fool the first time because you were reacting to everything I said. The second time, I just seemed like an aggressor and an idiot.
Yeah, and you felt that way, and before long you stopped doing it. Now, the first time, it looked like I was trying to stop you from insulting me, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, stop it, stop it. It's not true. You better not say it again. I know karate. Right. But that was an illusion. It looked like I was trying to stop you the first time. Do you know what I was really doing to you the first time? What were you doing? I was making you continue. I made you have loads of fun. I made you win. I made myself look like a big fool. Why should you stop? You're having such a good time. So right. it looked like I was trying to stop you. I was really making you continue. And by the way, in the game, the enjoyment was real. And you're a good person. You're an adult, a good person. You're a therapist. And you had fun driving me nuts. Absolutely. Yeah. The second time, did you see me allowing you to insult me? No, it was very frustrating. I was up against the brick wall. I, I didn't know where to go yeah, with but, it. Yeah, but did I tell you to stop the second time? No, never. You actually engaged with me. but Yeah, just... and I said, if you want to think that you can, people can say whatever they want about me. So it looked like I was allowing you to insult me, right? To some degree, but, yeah. So I was, was the first time it looked like I was trying to stop you, but I was really making you continue. The second time, it looked like I was allowing you to insult me. I was really stopping you. It was so much harder, and before long, you give up. Now, when you were insulting me the first time and I was getting angry, who was making me angry? The first time? Yeah. I think that I felt like I was saying things that was hurting you. And I mean, yeah. from our conversation, you might say that you were allowing yourself to get angry. But I, I felt like I was pushing some of your buttons. Yeah. It looked like you were making me angry. And anybody who was watch, watching or anybody who would listen would think that you were getting me angry. You were hurting me and getting me angry. But that was an illusion. Who was yeah. really making me angry? I guess you, to some degree. Yeah. I made myself angry purposely. I've done this thousands of times. I had you insult me two times. The first time I got angry. The second time I didn't. Yeah. Yosef, do you have a remote control to my brain and you're pressing the anger button? It's it's felt like I did the first time. Yeah, it felt that way, but you don't really have a remote control. I was making myself angry. I did it purposely because I knew I didn't want you to stop the first time. I wanted to make you continue. So by trying to stop you, I was making you continue. But I really was making myself angry. The second time, I didn't get angry. I didn't get upset. And I stopped you. And it was effortless. Yeah. All yeah, I had it, to do was know what I'm doing. But it was effortless. I was calm. I was relaxed. I let you say whatever you want. The easiest thing in the world. So if you're somebody that's being picked on, I'll play this game with you. And I'll explain to you the real reason they're picking on you is not because you're stupid or ugly or fat. The reason they do it is because you get upset when they call you stupid or ugly or fat. Didn't you have fun when I was getting upset? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's why they do it to you, because you get upset, not because you're fat. They don't care how much you weigh or how smart you are or what you look like. But if you get upset, they have fun and they win, so they keep on doing it to you. Yeah. So the real way to win is to let them do it, but you treat them like a friend. There are really two major steps to what I teach. One is to not to get upset. It's in your control. But secondly, treat the person like a friend. I was yeah. being nice to you the second time. Yeah. Everything you, you said, I was me. nice to you, complimenting you. I was very thrown off. Yeah. My favorite way of responding to a simple insult is with the opposite compliment. 
you tell me I'm ugly, so I tell you I think you're good looking. You right. call me stupid. Oh, I think you're smart, and it makes you smart, and now you like me because I complimented you. Do you really think that your program is called Bully, Bullies to Buddies? Do you really feel that people could become friends with those who bully them, or is it like we're just trying to get like to a basic neutrality? Is no. that really true that like you you create friendship from a person who's a bully and just because some of these kids they just yeah. seem so evil to me? Yeah, it's an excellent question. What I mean by turning your bullies into buddies. First of all, you want them to stop being a bully. You don't want the, them to be your enemy. So that's the main thing. I want you to yeah. stop picking on me. But if I can make you be my friend, I don't need to make you be my friend. But let, but if I want to make you my friend, then maybe I can do it. If I can turn you from my bully into my buddy, even better. But my main concern is that you stop being a bully to me. Yeah. Because that's what makes me miserable. I'm thinking from my own life experience. I remember, I wouldn't say that I was bullied very much, but I remember in elementary school, there was, let's say, two or three kids that would bully me, so to speak. And not to say I was innocent in being a good or bad victim or innocent of not hurting other people and bullying, because sometimes you pass these things around. But I don't think I became friends with either of them. But there was someone that did bully me for a while when I was in high school, a classmate of mine, maybe in ninth grade. And throughout that year, I worked really hard and I used to tutor him in math because he was really bad at math. And we actually did become good friends. And so mm -hmm. now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, no, he was just he was just kind of low self-esteem and I was a good victim. And after a few weeks of me helping him with his math homework and just not engaging, I really helped him. And there was actually a kid when I was in 12th grade, there was a ninth grader that had a lot of problems. He was really the he was really the victim of the school. And I, I, I admit that I bullied him also maybe the first month of school because you, you always attack the freshies. But after a month, I we actually almost really hurt him. And I realized we were doing something very wrong. And I actually took him under my wing and really helped him and created a couple year long friendship and helped him. And I'm very proud of that. Not proud of how it started. Yeah, I'm proud of you too. That was very nice yeah. what you did. But I, and, and I think he's had a very successful life. And not only because of that, he's a hardworking, good kid, but he was just really short and really scrawny and really annoying and really good victim. It's interesting. It gives me what to think about. I want to just zoom out before I focus in. Like, I really, I love all the solutions and I really want to focus on preventing the trauma bullying, but I want to just ask you two more questions and then, and then if we can just focus on, I know you have a lot of resources, which I'll read off as well. And we'll post that in the show notes, but two specific questions that came up. One of them is what's the age range that you're seeing most of bullying? I know we talked about it happening at home, at school, and it happens at workplace too, which I think is because it's untreated. What's the general age range of where bullying starts? Do you have any data on that? Yeah, from experience, and I think research also shows this to be true, it starts begin becoming a big problem in third grade. Sometimes, in, sometimes really? in second grade, but more often in third grade. Because children become more aggressive, they get older, they get stronger. Uh, before that, children seem to be more innocent, and uh, but it, it just starts being a bigger problem around third grade. And generally, it, it, it's, it tends to be the biggest problem in intermediate school, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. In high school, it tends to go down, though it doesn't disappear. Even in high school, there are kids who are bullied terribly. Absolutely. Not as common. Like I just it. described for my own life as one example. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, I, and my second question, which is really in, in line with the entire podcast, is the trauma of bullying. Obviously, we're all aware of kids' low self-esteem, kids not wanting to go to school, kids not wanting to be at home, kids failing because of it, and obviously the highest level of suicide, which is really tragic. But just from your experience, could we just articulate just some of the traumas and some of the 
short-term and long-term effects of, of being bullied. Now, there's so much research about the harm that's caused by bullying. And it's not surprising. If you go to school and your peers are making fun of you every single day, it destroys you. Yeah, it destroys your self-esteem. You can yeah. start out with the highest self-esteem. If kids start picking on you and you make the natural mistake of getting upset, they never stop doing it. And you think there's something terribly wrong with you. Everybody's calling me idiot or ugly, or whatever. There must be something wrong with me. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. It makes it hard to concentrate in school because you're always thinking about the last thing they did to you when you're trying to, to think up clever responses and you're anxious. When is it going to happen again? So your grades tend to go down because you're not concentrating uh, and it becomes a cycle. The worse it gets, the, the more you go downhill, it just spirals downhill. And some kids... It, it it tends to get even worse when the kids tell the school. And in the recent year, in the past couple of decades, kids were instructed that they have to tell the school. Now, sometimes telling the school helps. If the school happens to make it better, then it helps. But if they don't make it better, it gets worse because now I'm a snitch. And finally, some research was done a couple of years ago that has validated what I've been saying for a couple of decades they found that the kids who get bullied most severely are the ones who tell the school most frequently. You know, there, exactly there's a, a popular saying. saying that snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. Nobody yeah. likes to snitch. And even in our religion, we have a bracha in Shimon Esrei Lamal Shinim. Nobody room. likes a, 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 a informer. Yeah. Now, of course, in the, in the bracha, it's based on some very serious things that happen. But uh, imagine I have a problem with you. And instead of dealing with you directly, I inform the authorities on you. Is that a nice thing to do to you? One of the worst things you can do to somebody is to try to get them in trouble with the authorities. You, uh, so I, I always ask kids who are being bullied if they're telling the school. And if they say yes, I wonder how often they do it. And I tell them, let's say I'm an, another kid in school and you insult me. And I tell the teacher on you and you get, you get sent to the principal's office. Are you going to like me better? going to hate you. Don't be mad at me. You're going to hate me. I'm, I'm a snitch now. So you'll always like me better if I talk to you directly than if I inform on you. But I tell you, don't worry, I'm going to teach you how to deal with the people by yourself so you don't have to inform the authorities. Amazing. Very helpful. Yeah. I want to turn our attention towards the solutions. I know you've been presenting that from the entire, this entire presentation has been very solution focused and I really appreciate the prevention yes. stuff. By, by the way, when I work with a victim of bullying, I expect them that after the very first session to know what to do. Amazing. One Amazing. session, I teach them what to do. And I'm not saying that every child succeeds after one session. And some kids never succeed. But I teach them the solution in the first session. So they leave knowing what to do. That's amazing. I'm also thinking, I know you you work with New York-based population, also Israel. Is there more uh, bullying in one country over the other? Is there any stats on that? Uh, it happens all over the place. It happens in Israel. It happens in the United States. I don't know any country where it doesn't go on. You put kids together, there's always a fight for dominance. We, 
Human beings are animals. Okay, we have a neshama that makes us be like, want to make Hashem happy, but we also have an animal body. And animals are a constant, animals are programmed for life in nature, where it's, they eat each other for dinner. There are no policemen to protect them from each other. There are no laws other than the strongest survives. There's always a struggle for dominance, to be on the top. Being on the top feels good. Being on the bottom feels lousy. You put kids together, and there's an unconscious struggle for dominance. The kids who figure out how to be on top, how to be leaders, how to get people to respect them and like them and listen to them, or to be afraid of them are the winners. And the people who don't know how to deal with difficulty and they get picked on all the time, they're the losers. So what happens in every social organization, it happens at work. There are people who are higher up in the hierarchy. And I don't mean in the official hierarchy. There's always an informal hierarchy. If you, you can have a group of friends, and you're going to find that there's one person who's dominant. They tend to decide what the group is going to do all of the time. There are people who are lower in the hierarchy. So it's an inevitable social behavior. It's going to happen. You can't pass laws against it. They thought that they can get rid of bullying by by making it illegal. Right. Didn't work. Didn't help. It doesn't work because it's human nature. So uh, another big mistake that's being made in the bullying field is that the belief is that bullying is a culture. And you'll hear people saying, we have to get rid of the culture of bullying. Bully culture. Right. Yeah, bullying culture. Bullying is not culture. If it were culture, it would be easy to get rid of it. Culture is easy to change. We now live in the most anti-bully culture in the history of the world. Every school is against bullying. Celebrities are against bullying. We have laws against bullying. The media writes about bullying all the time. Nobody says bullying is a good thing. Everybody says it's terrible and we shouldn't tolerate it. It's the most anti-bully culture in the history of the world, and bullying is becoming worse than ever before. The reason it's so hard to get rid of bullying is not because it's culture, it's because it's nature. You can't get rid of nature. You have to, if you want to solve a problem, you have to work in accordance with the laws of nature and then figure out what to do. But you can't just decide it's a culture and then it's going to go away. No, it's nature. Wow. Very well. I turned you into a bully. I played the simple game with you before. I had you insult me. I start getting upset. And you enjoyed bullying me, and you went on and on bullying me because it's nature. I, I pulled out your human nature from you. Yeah, you, you show that very well. So just a couple of resources, and then I really want to wrap up and focus on your programs. Yes. I had the privilege of meeting Izzy about a year ago when he did a presentation called The Process of Bullying and Simile Rivalry with, with Mondays with Moshe. And mm-hmm. we have it on Core Wellness' site. If any therapist is listening and you want CE credits for it, it's a well worthwhile program on our website. We also have, we're going to post a couple of psychology today. There's lots and lots of articles there. There's a TEDx talk that if you want, which you could search for Israel Kalman or Izzy Kalman. There's a YouTube channel that Izzy has, a Facebook page, an Udemy course, which is treating victims of bullying, which is very amazing and worthwhile, about eight hours of amazing, helpful, especially if you work with this population. And then there's, of course, the uh, Be Strong and Resilient program, which is bestrong.global. And lastly, if you want to get in touch with Izzy directly, you can check out his website, izzycalman.com, or you can email him contact at izzycalman.com. So just to summarize... Mm -hmm. Let's say I have a, a fourth grader who's being bullied and I get your name and I call you. So 
what's the process? What do you do with them? Uh, obviously, there's a lot to say, but just what's a general, you're going to, I know you're going to educate them about what's going on and about how to respond. What's the prognosis? How long does it take? What should I expect in working with you? Okay. The first thing I do is I talk to the parents because they're the ones who are concerned with the kids. So I want to find out if this is a, a case that I, I think I can succeed with. So I talk to the parents of what, about what's going on with the kid. And in most cases, I believe I can help. So then I schedule an appointment. I, I meet with the child and uh, I talk to the child about what's happening to them in school, who picks on them, how they, they do it. Uh, so I spend maybe 10 minutes talking about the problem itself. Then I ask the kid, do you want the kids in school to stop picking on you? And of course, you say yes. So I tell you, I'm going to play a game with you. I'm going to teach you why the kids pick on you all the time and how to get them to stop. And then I do, I, I have a longer version of what I did with you. That was a, yeah. an abridged version. But so I spend like a half an hour with this procedure that teaches the child why they're being picked on, what they need to do to stop. And then I practice with them. I tell you at the end, now I'm going to insult you and I want you not to get upset no matter what I say. So I give you practice. I give you, and, and I try to leave you at the first session knowing what to do to get the kids to stop picking on you. In further sessions, we'll talk about how it's working and I'll give you other instructions that you might need. And usually after a few sessions, I'm done with the child. Now, the thing is, I don't succeed with everybody. I wish I did. There are kids that I work with week after week, and it just doesn't seem to help. So if what I'm doing doesn't work, I, I stop working with the child. I don't want the parents to keep on paying me if my help isn't working. But uh, usually in a few sessions, the, the things are much better and the, the problem is uh, pretty much over. Not always. I, I wish it were always the case. Interesting. Do you, have you ever worked with bullies directly with, with your approach? The thing is, many of the kids that we call bullies, if you talk to them, they describe themselves as a victim. Interesting. Who, who gets sent for help? The kids that get sent, sent for help are either the ones who are complaining all the time or they get sent to the office all of the time for being aggressive. So let's say you're getting to fights all the time and you're beating up kids and you get sent to the principal's office all the time. Now, if you're angry at the kids that you're beating up, people think you're a bully, but you're really a victim. How do you know if somebody is a victim? If they're angry, if you're angry, it means you don't like the way people are treating you. So you're beating them up to get back at them to try to stop them. So you look like a bully because you're being aggressive and beating up kids, but they're picking on me. They're calling me names. They don't want to be my friend. They threaten me and stuff. I'm just getting back at them. Most of the kids that are sent for help are really victims, even though they may look like a bully. So now it. If you're a kid who's really a bully, you're just picking on kids because it's fun. It's not because you're a victim. Now, there are kids who bully others, but they're not victims. They don't get upset by other kids. They just enjoy picking on them. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you're such a kid and you're sent to me and you tell me that you're not angry at the kids, it's just fun to pick on them and they get us so upset. It's so much fun. They're losers or whatever. So I might ask you, parents are complaining about you, you're getting in trouble, the school is thinking of kicking you out of school. Do you really want to get kicked out of school because of the fun of picking on kids? 
maybe instead of being mean to kids, you'll be nice to them instead, and then you won't get in trouble, and everybody will be happy with you. I treat every person based on their particular situation. I want to know why this is happening to you, what's going on, and I'll try to help you with that. Here's my last question for you. Yeah, yes. Because it's a podcast, I'd like to get some stories in. Could you tell me your saddest story or something extreme that you saw that you worked with where somebody was a victim of bullying and how that impacted their life? And then my last question will be a positive story. But I want people to really feel, you know, what it's like, because I know as as a parent and even as a therapist working with kids, like I've worked on myself and my own way of being respectful towards people and also expecting that respect from others and not being bullied by others. So sometimes it is hard to like think about the third graders perspective of what's the big deal? Just stop enabling them or et cetera. I want people to feel that compassion for the impact of bullying. Is there anything that comes to mind for you? First of all, I try to show concern and empathy for everybody that I work with. If you're a kid coming to me for help and you're being picked on, it makes you miserable. It's a horrible feeling to be picked on by your peers. Of course, I will show you empathy, but I also want to help you so you don't have to suffer anymore. Mm-hmm. But ju- just showing empathy isn't enough. If I just feel it's bad skills. for you, I'm just confirming the fact that your life is terrible and you're being, it's terrible how people treat you. So it's not enough yeah. just to show empathy. I want to teach you how to solve the problem. That makes sense. Now, you asked about a sad case. One case that came comes to mind is a high school kid who I worked with an entire year and it really didn't help. He was, I don't remember if he was a junior or a senior in high school Mm -hmm. in a yeshiva and everybody in the class was against him. Everybody. And for years, he was the person to pick on, to be angry at, not to like, and he suffered terribly. And nothing I did with him succeeded. Uh, I realized after a while, that there were some kids that if they have years of history of having a reputation of being a victim and everybody's used to picking on them, it can be very hard for the kid to change the situation around because it's been going on for so long and nobody wants to give up having him as their victim. So I realized there are kids who just are better off changing schools. Yeah, If I see a, a kid is being picked on endlessly, regardless of my help, I say start over in another school. And and that will often make it better because if you start off in a new school, you don't have the history, you don't have the reputation, but I already taught you what to do so you won't become a victim. Amazing. That makes a lot of sense. Obviously, if it's family bullying, you can't really go into a different family, (laughs) but... But family is is a more complex story. I don't have time to get into it. Maybe when, we'll follow when, up on that one too. We can, but th- when there's bullying going on in a family uh, between kids, in general, it's more important to work with the parents and teach the parents what to do. Now, you also asked about a success story. Yeah. I once got a call from a school nurse. This is when I was still living in New York. I lived in Staten Island. Mm-hmm. And I got a call from a nurse from a school in Long Island. And she said there was a, a boy in school, I think he was 10 years old, who's expressed suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. He wants to kill himself. And she asked me if I can work with him. And I said, I'll give it a shot. Just get 
approval of the parents for me to work with him. Now, I did this for free, and I met with the kid, and what was going on is they were calling him gay. And this upset him terribly, yeah. and no matter how upset he got, they kept on calling him gay. So I played my game with him, and I taught him how to stop them from calling him gay, and I followed up, up a week later, and the problem was over. Amazing. Beautiful. You know, That's really empowering. Now, the nurse called me. She was considering sending him for psychiatric evaluation to, right. in, in, to be in a hospital for evaluation. I told her, don't do that. First, let me work with him. Because if he'd sent to a psychiatric facility for several days or a week to be observed, it makes him feel there's something really terribly wrong with him. It feeds now, into the Yeah, not only are people calling me gay, I'm a psychiatric case. What's wrong with me? Yeah. So I said, please don't rush to hospitalize him. Let me work with him and we'll see how it works out. But we tend to think that serious problems have difficult solutions. No, there's really no relationship between the severity of a problem and the difficulty in solving it. It can be a terrible problem to be called gay all of the time. But that doesn't mean that the solution is difficult. I'll Maybe. show you. I'll act it out. Call me gay. You're gay. I'm not gay. Look at you. The way you dress, the way you act. Everybody knows you're gay. Just come out already. Wait a minute. I'm not going to come out because I'm not gay. You basically already did. Just look at that. Look at your clothes. Look at your way you hold yourself. My clothes are not gay. Okay. And the same thing as we did before. Yeah. Am I making you want to stop calling me gay? No, not at all. You're yeah. prodding me on. Yeah. Now, I'm going to think that you're calling me gay because you actually think that I'm gay. But it's not the real reason. The real reason is that I'm getting upset when you call me gay. If I get upset, you keep on doing it. Now we're going to do it again. And this time I'm going to treat you like a friend. You're so gay. Oh, how, how come you think I'm gay? Look at the way you dress. Look at the way you act. Look at uh, the way you carry yourself. Yeah. You're not the first person who thought I was gay. Yeah, I'm not the last either. Yeah, pr probably not. I bet nobody thinks that you're gay. Of course not. I would never. Yeah. Yeah, I, nobody would think that you were gay. Yeah, but look at you. What about me? You just, the way you look, the way you carry yourself. Yeah, and I'm not the most macho guy in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It neutralizes it. Yeah, it's, it's no fun. It's only fun if I get upset. Yeah, yeah. That's what really causes bullying. You get upset when they pick on you, and then they never stop. If you don't get upset, it's impossible to pick on you for long. Yeah, that's really helpful. Is there any last message that you want to leave to our listeners about if they're a victim of bullying or if their child is or any last messages? This is very helpful in conceptualizing what needs to be done and very good resources that we're going to you know put in the show notes as well. I, I can't th think of anything new, but what I would say is- A summary is helpful. Okay. Don't expect the school to solve the problem for your child. If the school gets involved, they're likely to make it worse. And not because they're stupid or evil. They're trying to make it better. But what they try to do is investigate and find out what's happening, who's the victim, who's the bully. That whole process intensifies hostilities, and it makes things worse. The best thing is for your child to learn how to solve the problem by themselves. Amazing. Very so don't, helpful. don't expect the school. And okay, that's it. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. There's a lot here to take in. I really appreciate your time. And I know for sure that 
anyone that's listening to this will be impacted. First of all, just to learn to themselves how not to be a victim, which is something we all need reinforcement. But secondly, just the kid that I'm meeting with this afternoon is going to benefit from this conversation. So thank you so much. I'm glad, for, for I'm taking glad to time. hear that. Okay. Uh, one more thing. I do have a book, Bullies to Buddies, A Torah Guide for Turning Your Enemies into Friends. It's available on Amazon. It's an I, it's a good book. So people We're gonna can put look that we'll put that link in the show note if you could send me that and we'll, we'll put uh, that okay, in the well. good. Okay. Thank you so much, Izzy, for all your wisdom. And I wish you a good and successful day and for again praying for safety and security. Okay. Thank you so much, Joseph. Be well. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to the Jewish Trauma Network. For additional resources, free and premium courses, leave questions or suggestions, or to support our mission, please visit jewishtrauma.com. And always remember, your life can and will be better.